0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all! This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode.
2: what's up everyone welcome to another episode of half street high heat uh the what are we at one i'm just gonna say it's the first episode of season four because technically it is even though we're not guaranteed a season in 2022 yet but it is season four of half street high heat nonetheless it's been three great years so thank you for following us and if you're new to uh the the show thank you for joining and uh, i hope you guys enjoy obviously No, we didn't have an episode last week. Like I said, there's no um, games or season guaranteed for 2022 just yet, but the train keeps moving. We are chugging along, and tonight we are starting a series, I guess, of ranking players. Obviously, that's pretty much what everyone's doing right now, but we did it last year, so technically we're not copying anyone. We, We started this first. So, tonight we will be doing our consensus top 10 first basemen. Um, and it's also timely because longtime Nationals backup first baseman Ryan Zimmerman announced his ati- retirement officially today. So, we will get into that as well. But joining me, and I was going to say this is his comeback, but obviously, you've heard him dominate trivia for the last you know, two months or whatever. Ryan at We Are All Shack and uh, our video editor slash what's your actual title did we talk about that digital um, digital, digital media? media
3: manager something yeah. like
2: that it sounds uh, good the the guy of many hats <laughs> trey at reverse two r's two is, is joining us uh, I'm, gonna, well. I'm gonna
3: change that twitter at some point when i Uh-oh. figure out something better than that. Right. so <laughs> reverse but is still the cool, same but i like r's, it's
2: the two r's two s's because yeah. there's already two r's in reverse so it's like yeah. Yeah. that's the confusing part couldn't get the original right anyways Fellas, how we doing? It feels good to do an actual like semi sort of show again.
4: I'm gonna say that Trey's title is Chief Director of Digital Media Specialist. So like, just well, hit the all word all "chief" of...
2: is problematic in itself because you know, true. We're, we're we're staying so, away, we're staying we'll, away from the C. We'll have to here. we'll have to do Commander. Uh whatever media officer com- not chief media officer commander media officer since that's the the progression of the name and now I'm associated with the Washington football team <laughs> but not nearly as problematic
5: yeah. so I, you I don't so. want to be yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean you know, <laughs> it's
2: weird somehow, stuff going around right now some tell they're worth like 4.2 billion dollars so you know i guess you could do worse <laughs> But what's going on, Ryan? How's it? How's it been hanging? How's uh, your victory tour? Did you be or were you able to do a kind of World Series parade for trivia?
4: You know, it was great. Matt is just such a great <laughs> stand-up guy. I didn't want to celebrate too much, but I, I, you know, I just, I, I just took care of absolutely everyone. In the half-street high heat. So you know, had some great times. Um, I beat Monty twice. Um, And I had to celebrate that one twice Because I did beat Monty twice Just in case you guys did not see I did beat Monty twice So I had some great celebrating in there Because I beat Monty twice How many times? I beat Monty twice I don't know if you guys got that
2: <laughs> Okay, got it now Oh man And like you can't even say Oh well you had Tyler Because uh, no disrespect to Tyler He didn't do Really didn't do much that match or so Brian beat Monty uh, twice. <laughs>
4: That's
2: what it comes down to.
4: I can't wait for Monty to listen to this. and yeah, just text me.
2: <laughs> I don't know when this will like actually go live, but I guarantee you within five minutes of it going live, Monty be like,
4: what the hell, man?
2: <laughs> it's like I gave you a compliment last night.
4: <laughs> uh, Monty's a great guy.
2: Great guy, Monty. Great guy. That guy. Bad trivia. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier. Obviously the, the big news and there, you know, the bar for big news is low right now because any news is big news, but big news. Ryan Zimmerman has retired officially. The writing was kind of on the wall. We thought it might've been prior to the 2021 season. He elected to come back again, worked pretty well in a, not really a platoon, but, you know, backing up Josh Bell. I thought, you know, that, Role for him worked really well, and obviously just hitting lefties as he's always been able to do. But obviously, the Nats are going through a rebuild right now. Uh, who knows what's in store for this season whenever it does resume, and if you know that the Nats even decide to fill out their roster with free agents or just elect to ride it out with what they got. Zim did not want to do that, and it's hard to blame him. He decides to call it a career after 16 years with the Nats. Obviously the Nats first draft pick after moving to DC uh, came up the same year. uh, All that gets, I mean, arguably rookie of the year. Uh, I think he came in second to like Hanley Ramirez, but he was very much in uh, contention and deserving of that award as well. Two-time all-star gold glove, obviously world series champion. Immediate thoughts. Now that Ryan Zimmerman kind of officially closed the chapter on the, you know,
4: 2010s nats it's it's kind of nuts because now juan soto and victor robles are the only people who are on the game seven world series roster that are left you know it's it's an end of an era but yeah yeah like it's it's an end of an era you know like he leaves as the nationals uh war leader for position players at bat played appearances run scored hits home runs doubles total bases rbis most strikeouts but i mean so i was just reading down the list on baseball reference of everything that he leads in and it's a it's a different era i don't really blame him leaving you know he's done everything that he could possibly do in dc he has like nothing left to prove in dc it was a great long career it's pretty rare that guys spend their entire career in one place and we gotta see that with zen from the first draft pick all the way into what is now a new era like Everyone we've used to have been seen the last 10 years are basically gone. And Zim's like, you know what? I've I've done everything I could. And he's out. They're going to build a statue. They're going to rightfully retire his number. And it won't be the last we see of him. I'm pretty sure they're going to do some type of like front office role like the Mariners did. Special advisor
2: to whatever. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He'll be there. He'll be there on opening day. You know, they're going to have a lot of stuff planned for him this year. And yeah, I mean, happy retirement gets to spend time with his family and he he did the thing every athlete does. As soon as they start talking family, you know that's it.
2: Buster <laughs> oh, Posey did God it. Goddamn damn Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady did it that the first time. Family. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a worse than a torn ACL. <laughs>
4: <laughs> as soon as that family starts coming up, you know the athlete's done and he started talking about his family. And it was a hell of a career. You know, I I drone on him quite a lot, but I'll, I'll pay respects when it's, when it's earned. And right now it is.
3: Absolutely. Trey, what were your thoughts? Well, I was, um, I honestly thought he might come back just to see if he could make a run at 300 homers. Cause he's 15 off, I think. Um, but you know, if he really doesn't have anything left to prove after the world series, he really didn't have anything left to prove or show, uh, could have retired then. And it, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye at that either. Um, But and he's also it's just a unique story because he he's kind of a local. He came out of UVA and he lives here and he's super involved with the community and um, I think that's why a lot of people identify with him around here, Um, and I think they should.
2: Yeah, um, it's I I, you know looking back and obviously the benefit of hindsight and whatever it, it makes sense that he wanted to come back after the World Series because. You just never know if you're going to be able to run it back. Obviously, the Nats, as we know now, again, with the benefit of hindsight, they were just like Team of Destiny, Lightning in a Bottle type vibes. And it's impossible to kind of recreate that uh, to take it to football. Obviously, you know, the Bucks won last year and they returned all 22 starters and some of them on like very cheap team friendly deals because they wanted the chance to run it back. Obviously, the Nats team was – kind of very different from 2019 to 2020, but obviously COVID and whatnot. So Zim opted out. So he wanted to come back to, you know, go out on his own terms. And it's funny that he, at the end of the season, didn't make any sort of declaration or decision or whatever, but they kind of not forced, but forced him into a farewell tour during that last series against the Red Sox. But it was cool to see him have that moment. And it's better to have that moment than not get it at all. So, uh, yeah, like Ryan said, I've given, I'm have i definitely part of the crowd that has given him grief over the years. But listen, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he, he's a legend. He's a Nats icon. He deserves to have his statue and his number retired and uh, ring of fame and all that stuff. Like, there, there's no argument against it. And 16 years with the same franchise is – impossible to do nowadays so you know he, he deserves all the credit in the world and would have definitely would have been cool to see him hit something like 300 home runs but you know there's also no real guarantee especially if he was you know a bench role or whatever he just had a kid so I think it makes sense in the times right plus he's never probably been one to care about individual accolades and whatnot so Makes all the sense in the world. Like Ryan said, again, I think we will see him back in some capacity in the future. He will be around and uh, and whatnot. So congratulations to Ryan Zimmerman on retirement. Well earned and well deserved. Golf claps. Golf claps. But speaking of first basin, we're going to get into our rankings. And this is a consensus rankings. So, so the way it worked is Ryan and I you know, have a consensus list. Trey also has, a li- has his list. But the way we're going to do it, so the rankings we read off are the consensus for Ryan and myself. Trey will add in kind of a live reaction element to it and kind of maybe play a little devil's advocate, but also kind of, uh, you know, chime in in support of rankings or whatever. So trying this out and seeing how it works and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But I am ready to get this started. You guys ready? Yeah, I love rankings. If you, I mean, oh yeah, for those that were around uh, last off season, you know I love rankings. I get really into rankings. Ryan, I know you love rankings too. So plus, it's even better now because there's nothing to do. So without further ado, our first base rankings, starting at number ten. Obviously, you know you get to ten. It's really just a uh, kind of. Pick them of sorts, you know, there's arguments for a lot of different guys, depending on what you're what metrics you're looking at and what maybe projections you have for them uh, going into the 2022 season. Number 10 on our list is Jared Walsh of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I had him 10th. Ryan had him 10th Uh, kind of, um, I guess, kind of out of nowhere last year. He was an all star. 2.8 war, uh, put up a a very respectable 850 OPS, 277 average, and 29 bombs. Uh, Seemingly, the Angels have kind of carved out a spot for him, whether it be at first base or in the outfield somewhere, but a a very solid season. Ryan, what do you like about Jared Walsh?
4: Jared Walsh is someone we probably could have been. Well, not probably could have been, but probably someone we – Probably could have ranked higher, you know. He's right. a very solid, well-rounded outfielder. He is 10th amongst all first basemen in war going back to last season. Over these last two, well, 1.5 seasons, he's slashing 280, 388, and 531. He's got 38 home runs over that span as well in 176 games. Jared Walsh is pretty, pretty solid. He's someone that's really, really forgotten about not only on the Angels, but also amongst You know, first baseman and the back end of this first baseman list is tough because there's a lot of guys that hop around. But Jared Walsh has played over 80 percent of his games at first base, and he is very, very consistent amongst everyone there in Anaheim. And the Angels offense bumps for a reason, and that's because they got guys like Jared Walsh they can put in front of Otani and Trout and also hit them behind. He's got power. He can hit doubles and he gets on base with a 370 OPS over the last two seasons. That's pretty freaking good. That's better than DJ LeMayu, better than Jose Abreu, and better than other guys who are going to be ahead of him. But Jared Walsh, one of the sneaky underrated guys in this league.
2: Definitely. And he's someone at the you know end of 2022 when we look back and say, Yeah, we probably should have had him higher. Uh and you know, heading in 2023, I mean, shoot, he could easily be a top seven, maybe top five, depending on how some of these other maybe older guys. I perform in 2022 and obviously injuries are always a factor and whatnot. Jared Walsh is definitely a riser on this list and not, you know, going the opposite way. Trey,
3: what are your thoughts on Jared Walsh? Did he crack your top 10? Jared Walsh is my number 11 pick. Um, But I do really, really like Jared Walsh. And I, I honestly think what you guys are saying, he's got potential to get a, become like a top seven on this list at some point. Um, I really like his on-base percentage tool. The only thing that kind of, you know, drew me away from putting him in here was he struggled a little bit in the second half. He had a really great first half. Uh, I just wanted to see um, a big, a larger sample size of consistency because um, obviously he was great in 2020 as well, but that was only 60 games. Uh, I think he will get consistent uh, and probably outrank where I put him. Uh, I hope he does but right now he's my number 11 and my, my number 10 was CJ Crone. Um, well, I was going to say that that's perfect segue because our number
2: nine is CJ Crone. Uh, I did not rank him in my top 10. So I will let you guys, you know, go first and, you know, try to, I guess, prove me wrong. Uh, I had him 12th, somewhere around there. Ryan had him seventh, which is why he comes in at nine on this list he did have a, a kind of a under the radar year last year 3.4 war according to baseball reference uh 905 ops which is always great anything above nine is great 28 bombs uh ryan was that kind of the lines you were looking at to to see why uh or you know when you were looking to see why cj Cron deserves some respect
4: yeah cj crone he's a solid first baseman and first base at the back end of it is a little Sloppy. Um, besides center field, first base is probably one of the thinnest positions there are, and that's not taking anything away from CJ Crone. He is a very, very solid player. When you look at his numbers for last year, it's hard not to be impressed: two eighty-one, three seventy-five, five thirty. I do not care about the course effect; it is not real. He also had a one twenty-seven WRC plus. In a pretty bad lineup, um, to say the least, they got rid of Arenado. He had 92 RBIs, 28 home runs, and one stolen base. The guy's got speed, (laughs) he is pretty good. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's underrated. He's one of the people, people, he is one of the players that people easily forget about because he's playing on the Rockies. And ever since they got rid of LeMayo and Arenado. No one really cares about the Rockies and now story's
2: but, not there anymore that's right story's
4: gone too yeah so he's kind of doing it all himself and his offense does face not of the franchise CJ
2: crone
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man that, that's that's rough it could always be worse nat's fans trey why did you like uh CJ crone so much
3: uh well I really like crone's ability to be a consistent home run hitter if you actually look at his stats for like the past four seasons even though he's been on four different teams he averages like 20 home runs a season um and last season he really stepped up the power uh I think he slugged like almost 550 which is pretty impressive um and I I, you know I did check the uh the splits he definitely gets a little little bonus at (laughs) cores but he plays there so you can't really take it away from him uh and yeah I just like his consistent home run hitting ability because And like, like Ryan was saying, he's been underrated because the fact that this it took like four years for this guy to find like a legit team that wanted to keep him. is kind of mind blowing to me, um, especially when you look at DH stats from like, like there's always AL teams in the past couple of years that needed a DH. And uh, I don't know. I thought I think he's a pretty good option uh, for the Rockies at first base or DH now. Right.
2: And and that's worth mentioning uh, because it seems like first base, especially there's those guys that technically play first, but have been or will be DHs primarily going forward. Um, So, you know, there's a little bit of overlap. I don't think we're going to rank designated hitters, but uh, you know, as far as first base, if they are kind of that DH first baseline, we put them in first base and it's probably only one or two. That it applies to, but yeah, CJ Cron, like he's always been able to hit home runs. I know he was with the Tigers for a couple of years while they were like, were shelling out those cheap one-year deals for uh, flip-it guys at the deadline. CJ Cron was un- under that umbrella, but he's been very solid, and he's just one of those guys. He's just a ball player, so it's I have no problem with him being this high. And like as Ryan's alluded to, this you know, really eight through twelve for this list can really be interchangeable for the most part but uh CJ Cron definitely deserves to be in that conversation cuz he's been consistent like Trey said. Uh number 8 on our list is a guy I'm very excited to talk about and see what he can do this season building off his strong second half from last season. That is your Washington Nationals first baseman Josh Bell. I had a mate, Ryan had a mate, uh you know, at this point Nats fans know the the case of josh bell's 2021 season and if you don't trey put out a great video uh about it on our youtube page if you're watching right now just you know go down to our our history you'll you'll find it um but he was really dragged if you look at his season stats he was really dragged down by a slow start but if you look you know basically past may he he was really really freaking good um but all in all 3.1 war 823 ops 27 bombs uh, played a really solid first base switch hitter. I like a, how he projects, and I think my top ten. Granted, this is consensus, but my top ten was kind of looking a little bit towards the future, and not that I'm like a projection expert, but trying to project for the future. And I do think Josh Bell takes another step forward. It feels like these last, you know, what was his breakout year in Pittsburgh, 2019? I think, yeah, the the really good year. These last couple of years, he's really found kind of who he is as a ball player and and just have that kind of like solid floor basically. And obviously the 2020 pandemic shortened season uh, season really impacted that and probably threw him off a little bit. And obviously, you know, shout out pirates for, you know, undervaluing him. But I I think now uh, with a 2021 season under his belt and heading into hopefully probably not, but hopefully a full 2022 season he can really build upon what he's been working on his launch angle uh was really low last year so based on videos on instagram and whatnot it looks like that's something he's prioritizing if he fixes that just a little bit 27 home runs or whatever he hit is going to go to 35 possibly 40 we'll see how the lineup shakes out and how much protection he gets but i do imagine he will find success uh you know kind of just raking on on weak pitching and, and whatnot so i think josh bell's gonna have a, a good season but ryan what are your thoughts
4: so on may 12th josh bell was one of the worst hitters in baseball statistically he needed to hit 300 rest of the way just to get his bang average to 275 he hit just below that the rest of the season he finished with a batting average above 260 and he also looked where he was amongst all first basemen after that Eighth in walks, sixth in RBI, ninth in home run, eighth in OPS, seventh in average, eighth in on base percentage, ninth in slugging, ninth in wRC plus, and tenth in off offensive rating. Josh Bell was absolutely ruined by having to hit off of virtual reality t ball for a month when he got COVID, but right. when he finally hit his groove and finally got his Tommy back in May, he was a top 10 first baseman. He had a fantastic spring training and I will die on the Hill that Josh Bell is a top 10 first baseman and he should continue that and keep everyone pretty excited, and happy continuing being a top 10 first baseman in, uh in baseball.
2: Yeah. And Trey, I'll, I'll let you go here in a second, but with Josh Bell, like, you know, how I mentioned with Jared Walsh, he is someone to me personally that I have you going up this list, not down. And, you know, he has to do more, you know, collectively, not just like any one aspect of his game. He has to do all, more collectively to raise, you know, his, his status among the game's best first baseman, but he's what 29, that this is his age 29 season. He has time to do it. He's still in his prime. Some of these guys, they're 32, 33, probably going the opposite way bell is still young i think he can really build upon what he's doing and it's a you know strong reason i want the nats to re-sign him now for cheap at you know 10 million dollars a year as opposed to having him you know have a breakout a break breakout 2022 season a huge season and cash in at 15 million dollars a year or whatever it may end up being so uh, i do think like ryan said he's without a doubt a top 10 first baseman but trey what are your thoughts?
3: All right. So I had uh, Josh Bell at number nine. Um, and it's pretty much, I like what you said, Nick, about the, the floor. You've pretty much have seen, you know, what you're going to get from Josh Bell. His stats were right on his career averages uh, at the end of 2021. And that was with uh, the COVID, you know, disaster at the beginning of the season with the nationals um, and all, all of the advanced metrics uh, really support Josh Bell, uh being a great hitter, except for launch angle. Um, He he hits the ball consistently hard. Uh, He's above the 90th percentile on baseball savant, I believe. I'll pull that up uh, somewhere. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so... He's
2: doing this in post, so you'll probably see it on your screen right now. Yeah,
3: I really don't... I don't see, uh, you know, much potential for him to regress. I really only see him going up. Uh, So, yeah, he was my number nine choice.
2: Yeah, I I think, yeah, he's definitely top 10, but he's comfortably in the eight to 10 range. He, he needs to do more. Like I said, collectively to, to raise himself, uh, you know, among the game's best, but he's, you know, taken steps to at least get himself in position to take that next step. Um, uh, so big Josh Bell fan here, uh, sticking in the NL East number seven for us is Pete Alonzo, uh, again, number seven on this list. 4.2 war last year 863 ops uh 37 home runs obviously you know you've seen him in the home run derby and his rookie year he's no stranger to hitting home runs it's just a matter of what else can he do uh definitely cooled off after his rookie season but still respectable coming in at 7 on this list Ryan I'll, I'll kick it to you before you know I ramble on too much cuz I know you have a Seemingly love hate relationship with Pete Alonso, and I don't know where that necessarily stems from, but it is fascinating to hear you talk about.
4: Sorry, there's there's some stuff about Pete Alonso. There's just some (laughs) really really funny memes about Pete Alonso. Oh yes, yes, can't get into. But
2: I realized that as soon as you said, I was like, oh, no wonder.
4: (laughs) But the polar bear, he's just he's a great pure power hitter. P. Lonzo is so tough to figure out where to put. um at last year. He had 37 home runs in New York. That's, you know, in that field, that's no small feat. You know, they had the whole debacle with their fence when that stadium was built. They had to move it in a couple of times. 37 home runs, 344 on base kind of stinks, but 37 home runs, only a 519 slugging. I say only. I feel like that should have been a little bit higher, but that's okay. For example, Joey Vado had 36 home runs, and his slugging was almost 50 points higher. Pete Alonzo is just such an interesting guy. But at the end of the day, I do like pure power for baseman, and you are going to get that from Pete Alonzo. He also got you a three-war that's above league average, right around that, I should say. And he's just a solid dependable first baseman at the end of the day, not my favorite person, not my least favorite, but you know, he's going to get you 30 plus home runs. And if you put that in the four spot of your lineup, you're going to take that every single time.
2: Do you have any uh, resentment towards him because you picked him to lead the league in home runs and he didn't?
4: Well, he did win the home run derby and he also hit a kid and then dance while he was beating a cancer survivor and Trey Mancini. So,
2: so he should be your favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like exactly what Shaq would do. So
4: I, I didn't specify what he would lead the home runs in. He led the home runs in the home run. Derby. You know, that's fair.
2: That's, that's fair. Trey, what are your <laughs> thoughts?
3: Um, sorry I was recovering from that comment uh so okay I also had Alonzo at seven um and yeah it it's it, it's really tough to rank him because he's a weird hitter it's if he just can't get on base consistently and normally I don't like that but but from a first baseman I uh, like him
2: because he doesn't get on base
3: would like, say reverse money ball
2: <laughs> reverse can, to our stresses. Hey, reverse hey, money ball.
3: It. yeah uh, he doesn't. I mean, he still gets on base a decent amount, but not as much as I'd like. If he if he ever elevates that tool, he's going in my top five because his home run hitting power and ability is pretty much unmatched by most players in the entire league. I mean, everyone. I mean, you guys remember 2019? He was ridiculous, uh, and I think he could potentially not maybe not reach that high again because of the juice balls, but uh, he could potentially be a 40 home run guy. Uh, He was almost there last year. So, uh, yeah, I have him at seven. Yeah, and he's 27,
2: entering his age 27 season. So, I mean, who who knows? Like, baseball players are so weird with when they peak. Some peak super early and, like, are ready at 24 and then kind of fizzle out later on. Like, sort of like a Manny Machado, although he's still very good. But it seems like Manny Machado had so much hype when he was – young and upcoming with the Orioles and it's kind of fizzled off since he's been at the Padres maybe because Fernando Tatis is there. But anyways, Pete Alonso definitely burst onto the scene, you know, taking the world by storm and has definitely cooled off since then. He definitely needs to get on base uh, more often works and walks, but it's hard to tell a guy to walk when you're capable of swinging and hitting a ball 700 feet like Pete Alonso is. So I would have to imagine if I had that kind of raw power that I would want to use it more often than not as well, so I can't entirely blame him. But number seven on our list is Pete Alonzo. Number six. Moving on to a guy, sneaky versatile in in his own right. Max Muncy comes in at six on our list of 4.9 war last year. 895 OPS. 249 average in 36 bombs. Uh, Only 31, which it feels like he should be older than that. I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks that, but it feels like he should be older than that. Uh, Max Muncy though, when it, I was putting together my rankings, like I could see him lower. I could see him higher. I, I think this kind of five, six range is perfect for him because uh, he's not elite in my mind, but he's very necessary to that Dodgers team. Like you saw how they struggled in the playoffs without him. Like, not having Max Muncy, even though he wouldn't be the best player in the Dodgers. Well, Mookie, I was going to say Cody Bellinger, but who who the hell knows what's going on with Cody Bellinger? I don't even know if Cody Bellinger knows what's going on with Cody Bellinger. But anyways, no matter who's on that Dodgers team, Max Muncy is always a necessity. Like they need to have him in order for that whole operation to run. And that's kind of the area when doing these rankings and doing projections and stuff like that that's hard to quantify because you can't quantify how much someone means to a team. And it feels like Max Muncie is one of those guys. Like they kind of need him to be that stabilizing force, but also that kind of insult to injury uh, bat in the lineup. When you see Mookie Betts, you see, you know, Cody Bellinger when he's on, you see all these other guys, you know, the embarrassment of riches that the Dodgers have. And Oh, by the way, here's Max Muncy to just really, you know, nail in the coffin, you guys. And, you know, on in route to winning 100 games every year um so max muncie is someone like you can't put any lower but i don't know if you can put him any higher just yet either maybe he has an mvp season who knows but right now it's like five six range is really where in my mind he belongs but ryan what do you think
4: Max Muncy is someone I would have put higher if he logged more innings at first base. He was the only person on the top 10 list that had less than a 1,000 innings defensively at first base. But Max Muncy is good, and that's more of a product of how the Dodgers use their players. Um, They have Max Muncy, and they're like, hey, maybe we should go sign a Freddie Freeman, which is really annoying. But amongst (laughs) first basemen, he was tied for third and more. He was tied for third and WRC+. He also hit 249. I do not care about batting average. He had a 368 on base percentage of 527 slugging. He had the second highest um, defensive ring amongst all first basemen, 36 home runs, 94 RBIs. It's hard to get 100 RBIs on the Dodgers, well, especially last year because that lineup was so good. People are getting driven in a lot, but Max Muncy is good. And again, I would have ranked him higher, but how much he moves around, I decided to stick to him at first base. I like where I have him now, but if Max Muncy actually stuck at first base for a full year or so, he'd probably be a little bit higher than that on the list. Big Max Muncy fan.
2: Yeah, for the record, uh, I had him sixth. Ryan had him fifth. I had Pete Alonso fifth, and Ryan had Pete Alonso ninth. Trey, where do you have Max Muncy?
3: I have Max Muncy at number four. Um, I really like Muncy's consistent on-base plus power. Uh, bat in the lineup i it doesn't really matter to me where he plays because he's pretty he was pretty versatile defender i mean he's played all over the infield he's played some outfield i believe as well uh maybe not recently yeah Uh, yeah he's capable and uh he like uh ryan was saying he he graded out pretty well at first base defensively um obviously if they sign freeman that kind of boots him probably to second base i would think uh, but either way, it's just that he's been so consistent, uh, getting on base, and and hitting for power since 2018. So um, that's really the reason for me. I love those two tools together. Uh, you can't really beat it in my mind.
2: Yeah, I have no problem with Ma- Max Muncy at four. Like he he's he's been great, and obviously you know if the Dodgers of all teams are hurting without him, then you kind of know he he's he's valuable and kind of means something. Uh, number five. Former MVP on this list, I was going to say, oh, no, there's just one other MVP. Former MVP coming in at number five is Jose Abreu. I had him number seven. Ryan had him number four. He had a 3.0 war last year, 831 OPS, 261 average, but he did hit 30 bombs. Uh, The thing with Jose Abreu is... You know, he had the MVP season. Obviously, it was, you know, 2020, 60-game season. Everyone's going to say whatever they want about that. But he's been so good ever since he got to the bigs. Like, I think he debuted in 2014. And ever since then, he's been the model of consistency. Like, there's a reason he's still doing this after all this time. And he's on the older side. Like, this is going to be his age 35 season. So, I had him a little bit lower because, again, I'm – I factored in kind of projecting 2022 into this rankings. Obviously you can only do that so much because we we don't know what the season's going to look like, if the season looks like anything at all. But I think Jose Abreu, there's room, obviously room for regression, but I I think there's uh, regression in sight. How much though remains to be seen, but uh, that doesn't change the fact what he's been able to do over the past seven years. And recently, obviously he had a great 2020 season not as great 2021 but still solid obviously 30 home runs is nothing to turn your nose up at Um, but I I think he's probably going the opposite way on this list compared to some other guys but still deserves his respect and I have no problem with anyone like Ryan having him at number four and no problem with anyone having Jose Abreu higher than I did on my list but Ryan what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, Jose Breu definitely gets the recent MVP boost for me. I took. 2020 into consideration as well for most of my rankings. And I'm going to do just considering how short that season was. But when you look back to 20, including 2020, he's fourth in home runs, second in doubles. He's top five in WRC plus he's a little bit down the batting average, but he's still hitting 278 over that span. And if you include 2020, look at all of his numbers. He's top six, five or six in most stuff Four might be a little too high for him right now coming off a down season, but recent MVP Big fan of him, and I just like how he's able to split the gap and hit the ball in most directions. That's a big plus for me, and I got him a nice little boost at four.
2: Yeah, again, no problem with that. Trey, what, where'd you have him?
3: Uh, I actually had Jose Abreu at number eight. Ooh, um, a little bit lower. Why is that? A little that? bit lower. Uh, well, I noticed that this was the first season since, I think, 2014 or 15 where his – Uh, average exit velocity and hard hit percentage both dropped his barrel percentage dropped. Um, He was still really, really good. And uh, honestly eight is maybe more to do with age than that. Uh, It's just that he's really, he's starting to get older. Um, And when you see a dude get older and his, you know, peripherals are going down, it's just a little scary, but he could easily outperform eight. Um, Like Ryan said, he just won MVP. He's a really consistent hitter. Uh, So uh, I could see that being way too low. I just docked some points because I saw that, and um, that's pretty much it, the only reason.
2: I mean, okay. the the what have, what have you done for me lately argument always applies. Like, you know, even if they were an MVP two seasons ago, in which case Jose Bray was, it's like his 2021 is the most recent sample size we can look at, and there's that argument for a ton of players that will, you know, cover – as we go through all these positions and do these rankings. So I I think that's fair, but also again, kind of like what Ryan said, the MVP MVP boost and, you know, that aspect of it is fair as well. So it's, you know, he might be the one, I think based on our rankings, just the three of us here probably is the one we have all over the place as high as four, as low as eight. Um, But I, I, I can see both arguments. So that's why I kind of had him in. well, maybe towards the, the bottom of the spectrum, but it's kind of why I had him in the middle. All right. Number four, uh, a guy that was probably, you know, I won't say should have won an MVP, but like, it's surprising that he hasn't Paul Goldschmidt comes in at number four on our list. 6.1 war last year, according to baseball reference. I had him at four. Ryan had him at six. He had a 294 average and 31 bombs. Uh, I will admit, and granted, you know, this happened on a previous episode, like during the season, but I thought Paul Paul Goldschmidt sucked, like after the trade, uh, I thought he was just kind of like falling off a cliff, and he did have it down, what was that, 2019 or 2020 season, whenever it was, it was one of those, 2020, I don't remember, whenever the trade happened, his first year in St. Louis wasn't great, but last year he had a freaking phenomenal season very under the radar maybe that's because of the arenado trade and you know everything that was going on with the cardinals but he had a very very solid season i mean it's not easy to put up a, a six war season so uh, that's pretty impressive in, in its own right and he's always played elite level defense it's just a matter of would the hitting translate out of arizona and obviously the uh, crazy atmosphere arizona provides offensive players but uh, Ryan what are your thoughts on Paul Goldschmidt because you had him at six comes in at four so he's a little bit lower for you than uh, than everyone else
4: yeah Paul Goldschmidt is the forgotten first baseman in the sense that I forgot he was a first baseman when I made my <laughs> list, and I didn't feel like going back um he yeah Paul Goldschmidt Paul Goldschmidt, he's good. You know, people forget about that. He left the Diamondbacks, wasn't putting up the elite numbers right away. He wasn't getting the boost from hitting in the dry desert air. That stadium's now taken, you know, steps to avoid that. He went to a new division. There was definitely a little bit of a learning curve, I would say, going to a more pitcher dominant and pitcher focused division. And he did pretty, pretty well this year going against some pretty good rotations. He faced the Brewers a lot, and we all know how good the Brewers rotation is. That in mind, he had a 4.9 f four, tied for third amongst third baseman. He had 294, 365, 514, 31 home runs, 99 RBIs. He's lost a little bit of his step defensively, but first base is one of those positions I do not care about the f- defense. Your job is to hit, and Paul Goldschmidt does that. Looking at last year alone, he led first baseman doubles with 36. If he was on the Nats, they would call him Paulie Two Bags for that. And he's just all around solid. He's been doing it for a long, long time. He dipped down a little bit. The last season was reminding everyone that, hey, I'm still a top first baseman.
2: Nats fans really do have trouble with nicknames. <laughs> Paulie like, Two Bags. Yeah, but that's something I 100% would have seen out of Nats fans. Should Paul Goldschmidt have ever become a Nats uh, first baseman? So it might be for the best that he never did. Trey, what are your thoughts on Paul Goldschmidt?
3: I had Goldschmidt at number five. Um, and Four, five, six. I mean, yeah, uh, he again he's been doing this for a long time, and it's good that he to see that he had a bounce back um, because after leaving Arizona, because obviously uh, the hitting conditions pre 2019 Arizona were pretty insane. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and he's still great on defense. He's not going to be as good as he was. He's not as young anymore. Um, and he's, he's going to have a hall of fame case, a legit hall of fame case when he retires, I think, um, just because I feel like this is sustainable for a few more years, uh, with him. The, uh, the no MVP thing will really hurt
2: his case. Not saying you're wrong, but I think it will definitely hurt his case when that time comes. But I could see that he just needs a couple of a couple more good, solid years like he had last year, in my opinion. All right. So Paul Goldschmidt at four. Number three on our list is honestly one of my favorite players in baseball, mainly because his swing is one of the most aesthetically appealing swings, again, in all of baseball. And that is Oakland A's first baseman, Matt Olson, coming in at number three in our list. He had a 5.8 war last year, a 911 one OPS. Uh, Ryan had him third. I had him third. 271 average, 39 bombs. Could have had more if he wasn't playing in that uh, atrocious ballpark the uh, A's call home. Um I I love this guy. I, at this point, I have a bias towards him. He uh, outside of like Josh Bell, he's probably well, can't say outside of Josh Bell because there's another guy I love too. But uh, outside of Josh Bell, he's definitely up there for my you know favorite first baseman in total. Uh, Matt Olson, I mean, dude can do it all. Plays great defense again. He you know sweet swing, great offensive output. Uh, you know, just a strong all around player. I don't know how he's a guy the A's are looking to potentially move makes no sense to me. Um, and I don't know how legitimate those rumors are, but it definitely seems like something the A's would do. I mean, for for Christ's sake, they they gave away their manager, literally just gave him away. So I I can see the A's doing some dumb shit, like moving on from Matt Olson, but I think he is going to be a top, top first baseman for quite a long time. Uh, He's 28, so still in his prime. We'll see how long that you know prime lasts, but again, I, I think he's going to be a top top player for a long time. But Ryan, what do you think?
4: Yeah, free Matt Olson. Trade him, get yeah. him out of that absolute horrible ballpark because he is putting up great numbers in a not very friendly ballpark for hitters. He had a 146 WRC plus, that's second amongst all first basemen. He was second in F4 amongst all first basemen as well. A 371 on base percentage because he gets on base a 540 slugging, which is also great. All of his nu- offensive numbers, whatever way you look at it, they're great. And he did that in a ballpark that is a very kind two hitters and with not a lot of protection in the lineup because the A's aren't very good. They stink. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. They stink and he's going to torment the Nats for years when the Braves trade for him because Freddie's going to walk and that's going to be so fun to watch him in a actual ballpark with a great lineup around them. Oh
2: God, it does seem also like something that
3: would happen. Unfortunately, Trey, what are your thoughts on Matt Olson? Um, I had Matt Olson at number two. Uh, I think he's oh. just getting into his prime right now. And if he gets traded, those stats are going to, I mean, he's like he 540 in the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the defense is there too. He's pretty, pretty damn good over there. So um, I really don't, especially if he gets traded, I don't really see how his numbers couldn't, you couldn't stay there or improve because he's just getting out of that ballpark. Um, And like you were saying, Nick, very aesthetic uh, uh, load and swing just extremely fun to watch. Um, And when he hits, he hits moon, moon balls. Like if you want to look up some, some high launch angle homers, uh, Matt Olson's got you covered. Um, just super fun player and extremely good. I think he's going to get better. Honestly. I think I did this the last YouTube
2: video we had, but Matt Olson has such a unique swing. Cause he's like out here with his load. Yep. And then he comes back and obviously makes it look a lot better than I'm demonstrating right now, but such a unique yet aesthetically appealing swing and it, it works clearly. It, it freaking works. Like if he was out of the Coliseum, He's probably OPS above 1,000, I I would have to imagine. And, I mean, he's hitting 39 home runs. Shoot, he might hit 50, like legitimately, uh, depending on what ballpark he goes to. Yeah,
3: Yankee Stadium, that short porch, he's hit 55.
2: Yeah, like I – this dude, similar to Josh Bell and greater Josh Bell, is lower in the tiers, obviously, as we do this rankings. But, like, uh, similar in that his value is probably lowest right now and it's only going to get higher in my mind. Uh, But obviously Matt Olson's value is still very high right now. That's not trying to say like he's been underperforming. Clearly he has not. Honestly, he might've been who knows? He he, he might be a a MVP caliber player, perennial MVP caliber player. All right. Number two, obviously we have two people left for these two spots that, you know, deserve the top, consideration freddie freeman vladimir jr uh i'm curious to hear the different arguments uh from from each of you trey you had uh matt Olson number two so i'm curious to hear you had who you had number three um but we'll, we'll kind of just combine this all together because I, I do think it's you know sort of a pick them uh, so we'll combine one and two for this discussion. Number two in the consensus rankings, however, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I had him at one. Ryan had him at two. Ultimately, the tiebreaker was Freddie's won an MVP, so the MVP boost played a part in our rankings as well. Uh, Ryan, you had him at number one, though. Why is Freddie your number one, and why is Vladdy still uh, that runner-up for now?
4: When when it comes to first base. Freddie Freeman is going to be the best first baseman in baseball until someone proves it consistently that he's not. It's kind of like Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. There's guys that are threatening him, but Mike Trout is still the best first baseman in baseball. You look at Freddie's workload, it does not disappoint. No one really talked about it, but Freddie came really close to once again, having another 3 four, slash line, which is rather rare. Down year from power wise, 31 home runs, 83 RBIs. Freddie is as solid as it gets. He's clutch. He's good. He's good year in and year out. He is the best first baseman at first baseman in baseball. And I don't really think it's much of an argument either. Like, I think it's getting to that thing that we're seeing with other sports and other positions. We're like, well, this guy's the best because people are tired of saying the same person is the absolute best but I'm not moving from Freddie being the number one. And then it comes to Vlad Jr. 2021 was the Vlad coming out party. He was in triple crown watch and didn't get a single first place MVP vote. He would have won MVP if it wasn't for one of the best seasons that we have ever seen. My thing with Vlad, was that what he's capable of every single year close to it? Or did he benefit from playing in South Florida in the minor league stadium for over half the year? Now I know there are stats that do adjust for that. It's not WRC plus isn't perfect, but he did lead in the park adjusted stats. I like to see him do over a full season in Toronto. His numbers last year were absolutely stupid though. Three four five is a fantastic slash line. If you slash three four five through a season, you're an all star. You're an MVP conversation. His slugging was six hundred, so he did three four six. <laughs> That's how good he that was good. last year. Um, I just want to see him do it over a full season in Toronto, but Vlad's too, and he's coming pretty hot on Freddie's back for the number one.
2: Uh, oh, he's coming hot on Freddie's back. Oh my God. Oh.
5: coming in
4: H a W T
2: and on a uh, Freddie's back too. My goodness. Um,
3: <laughs> Damn, I didn't know they were doing that during the lockout. <laughs>
2: Oh God. Um yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point, Ryan. And I remember uh was it 2018 was Mookie betts MVP season. Everyone's like, mookie might be better than Trout. Mookie might be and I love Mookie, don't get me wrong, but he's not better than Trout. Like now that we've had three seasons since his MVP season. Uh wait, was 2018 his MVP or was tw- 2018, and, I think. Yeah. So he won MVP the same year the Red Sox won the World Series. I'm pretty sure that was the year he killed it. Okay. All right. I was. i I'm just making sure I wasn't mixing those up. But yeah, now that we've had three years post his MVP season, we can pretty comfortably say that he's not better than Mike Drout. Still very good. Not trying to take anything away from him. So maybe that is kind of uh, applicable to the situation between uh, uh Vladdy and Freddie Freeman. So I'm probably just on that hype training and riding the wave with Vladdy his year last year was absurd. Like it took a generational performance from Shohei Otani to, you know, take away what Vladdy was doing. Um, And honestly, yeah, that sucks for Vladdy, but Shohei deserved MVP. I I think it, he's 23. He like he's entering his age 23 season and he's already doing this stuff. Like Juan Soto was obviously great early. He, I mean, he didn't have that quite eye poppingness. at. Did I sound stupid? Wait, what? How old's Juan Soto right now?
3: 20.
4: Think he just returned he
3: 23 at the end of the season, right? Yeah, he just finished yeah. his okay. age
4: 22 season.
3: Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right.
2: I wanted to make sure I had <laughs> it right before I said something stupid. Juan Soto, MVP caliber player last year, did not have the eye popping stats that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did. That That's my point. And obviously, like that's the only point I was trying to make. I'm not trying to like make any sweeping declarations or anything like that, but you know, Vladimir Guerrero to me has the hype. And I think the hype matters in something like this. It, yeah. Can he replicate it? Can he do it for a full season again in his own home park without the benefit of a minor league stadium? I don't know, but I'm willing to ride with ride and die with him because I do think he is the real deal. The, the dude has, you know we saw you want to talk about home run derbies you probably had one of the best home run derby performances of all time uh, so I, I just love that man and granted I, I love Freddie Freeman too and I respect what he's done and maybe the, I am just tired of anointing him the best first baseman in baseball but I, I'm on that Vladdy, Vladdy wave but Trey break the tie here
3: what, what was your uh, take on, on these two guys I had Freeman at number three and Vladdy at number one. Uh, Freeman is he's obviously been one of the best first basemen for the last, I don't know, almost 15 years. So uh, he's been very consistent throughout his whole career. The thing that kind of, I just wanted to to jump Vladdy into the first place spot because I saw the difference in his approach. Um, He's, become a much more patient hitter uh, and he's still able to produce with extreme power. And sometimes guys who walk a lot, you know, they miss opportunities for home runs and extra base hits, but he hit opportunities for all of it. He walked and he hit for a lot of power um, and he's 23 and I don't think this is slowing down. Uh, but yeah, pr- I mean, pretty much one, two, three for me, Freeman Olsen Vladdy you could put any of those guys at number one right now and I would honestly be okay with it like there's a case um, but that's that's why I went with Vladdy just because he's so young and this was such a ridiculous season uh, and I don't I don't think I don't think he's gonna regress from that I think he's just gonna keep getting better
2: yeah, that's not even an option in my mind. He's only going to get better. Like, it definitely is a possibility. And, like, because the bar is so high based on his 2021 season, like, regression is more likely than progression. But it's I'm not even thinking about that. Like, he's only going to get better in my mind. He, he's so young and so damn good that he, he is the best first baseman in baseball for me. But uh did you guys have any, guys have any uh, honorable mentions? Any guys that just missed the list?
3: I do. Okay. I got one on my list that y'all didn't talk about. All right. Who, who would be Uh, uh, Joey Votto? It's Joey Votto. Yeah. I completely
4: forgot about him when I was making my list.
3: I I texted Nick and I was like, y'all forget or what? And uh, I mean, hands up. I did. (laughs) So I did not
2: include Joey. He would be number 11 for me. My only concern he's 38. And like, again, I, you know, just personally decided to kind of project with this list I didn't do a top 10 based on right now February 15th I did it for the 2022 season and if Joey Votto can prove everyone wrong again for the second year in a row or maybe the fifth year in a row I don't know like that great like I will happily give him the respect he deserves but at, at some point you know he is going to regress to the point where it's just like all right people aren't going to start talking about is it time it's just natural you know when you get up. Uh, in that age as a professional baseball player or, you know, professional athlete. So I think he's going to regress a lot, but he did have a great year last year and I have no problem him being on the list. Six, however, seems very high to me. So uh, please feel free to elaborate. All
3: right. So, um, you know, age is a factor as well uh, with, with him. I know I mentioned Abreu, he's getting old too. And I did dock points from Abreu a little bit for that. And with Vado, the difference for me was that, um, Bato had a completely different approach uh, than he's known for. He's known as, you know, kind of a dude who doesn't strike out and he walks a lot and he puts the ball in play to all fields. Um, but he completely adjusted to a more pull-centered, um, power-based, more strikeouts, but more power approach. And because of that, I honestly think he bought himself maybe one or two more seasons of really productive hitting, maybe not uh, as productive as last season. Cause he did end up with like 37 homers, which is pretty crazy, but I think he could go over 30 again, no problem. And if you go on his savant page you um, has got a lot of red circles and I like those. Uh, so it's, I think, I think, and the DH as well is going to help him play more. I think he's definitely, he only played 129 games and he probably got some rest games because Obviously, they were in the National League before the DH was implemented. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be able to do – maybe not at the same level as 2021, but I think he goes over 30 home runs again if he stays healthy.
2: Yeah, and if you want to talk about potential Hall of Famers, I, I think Joey Votto is a fascinating case. He has the MVP, um, it seems like a lifetime ago, but he has the MVP. You know, He's a Gold Glove winner, six-time All-Star. Um, and I think with the inclusion of the, the DH in the NL now, he's going to be able to kind of pad his career stats enough to take it from an argument to, uh, yeah, he needs to get in. So, you know, this is obviously a separate conversation, one we've been having for years now about the DH. I do think the DH benefits someone like Joey Votto greatly in terms of his, um, you know, individual accolades, which... I'm sure he would tell you only means so much. But at the end of the day, it is pretty cool to be able to have the opportunity to, you know, continue your career and, you know, provide value without having it you know, take so much of a toll on, on your body and, and, you know, at that age and prevent breakdown or burnout or anything like that. So I do think Joey Vado will be a Hall of Famer um, when it's all said and done. And I think he deserves it. Uh, but again, six is too high. Like he, he has bought himself some years, and it is he he's kind of reminded me of like CC Sabathia's uh end of his career. Like CC Sabathia was a strikeout guy and then adapted his, his game to be a you know pitch to contact guy, and obviously wasn't the Cy Young contender he was earlier in his year, uh, you know, his career, but he was more than serviceable. That's how I feel about Joey Vada, like he was an MVP, like elite premier top five player in baseball level and you know kind of cooled off maybe quicker than he thought and he adapted his game like you said he did buy himself some time but i don't think he's top top six <laughs> that's fair enough fair for enough for me um i had yuli guriel at 10 for me uh and then I admit I I probably would have switched him in Vado, but no, I ended up for anyways, Yuli Gurriel is an honorable mention for me. Like he, he's up there too. I believe he's 38 as well, but he's been so solid, not like out of this world, not great, but I, I think he is an honorable mention. If anyone had him at like 10, I'd be like, all right, that that's fine. I don't have a, a you know, a compelling argument for why he should be top 10 or, or, you know, any higher than that. I just think he deserves some honorable mention Mm -hmm. as well. Um, The the last guy I wanted to bring up Anthony Rizzo. So again, he feels like someone who's 38 as well, but he's only 32 and he had kind of a, a big step back last year. Obviously he was traded from Chicago to New York being in New York, didn't help his offensive stats all that much. He had a drop of 75 points in his OPS from 20, obviously 2020 shortened season, but 2020 to 2021. Uh, Ryan, do you you think Anthony Rizzo is like someone is a bounce back candidate or do you think he's kind of heading the wrong way?
4: He's he's for sure a bounce back candidate. Um, I didn't even consider him for the top 10. I just did not either. Like the season he had, um, he had a 258 Babbitt that was about 30 points lower than his career average, which kind of senses that there could be some bounce back there for him. His numbers just across the board were way down. He went to Yankee Stadium, and then, like, you know, usually guys do a little bit better there. He didn't really, um, nothing really impresses me with his numbers but i do think he will be able to bounce back i think he's kind of you know like a 16 17 maybe 18 range guy right now but then there's a lot of emergence of some random dudes like ty france and stuff like that who are ahead of him that i think i will not think i did consider him but i have him as my honorable mention but yeah i'm kind of off the Rizzo train for a while i've been off ever since he screened respect me after hitting a bloop single that jason <laughs>
3: worship caught but Okay, finally, I can talk to someone about this because I feel like everyone that I know, like, missed that. And I'm like, what are you yelling about, dude? You just hit a pop-up.
4: A broken bat bloop single got sawed off and it dropped between three defenders.
3: Still makes me upset to this day. I mean, perfect placement. (laughs) Just respect him. It was perfectly placed. (laughs) Yeah, he did it on purpose.
4: Yeah, guy act like he roped a double into the corner that cleared the bases screaming respect me.
2: It's like someone in slow pitch softball who only does those dink singles. He's like, respect me.
3: It, all right. It, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he's a bounce back candidate as well, but I don't think even if he does bounce back, he's going to be a top 10 guy anymore. Anyways. Right.
2: Agreed. Like there is bounce back, but he's not going to bounce back to. I don't think he'll, he bounces back as well as like Joey Votto did i don't even know if yeah. you can consider joey Votto as a bounce back but you know joey Votto has still put up great years in his post prime uh, i don't think rizzo gets to that but he can definitely be respectful and obviously he, he he's a he's a leader and a winner and all that stuff so his career is not over but i don't think he's top 10 anymore anyone else uh, did, we, did we miss anyone yeah ty france
3: oh yeah france. I, yeah I,
4: um, yes sir my honorable mention
3: yeah uh he was Something someone I looked at a lot too. Uh, the only reason I really didn't consider him was because he has a lot of different games played at uh, all around the infield. So I don't know if he's going to stick there stick. or not. Yeah. But either way, it doesn't really matter where he plays. He was very productive. Um, but for a first baseman, the reason if he's going to be a first baseman, I like to see the power increase a little bit. Um, he's got he's got pop, but he's just he hasn't quite had that tool. Um, on base though, he's money. And I really like that about him. Um, so if he sticks at first base, he's definitely capable of cracking this top 10. In fact, he could have even arguably be in the top 10. Um, I just didn't put him there cause he's got not enough games played yet.
2: Yeah. So definitely a dark horse candidate heading into next year, but we will see. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's other guys that you can argue, but I think that that's pretty much the top 14 ish as well maybe like Ryan Mount castle could possibly get up there uh, I don't he's know. weird
4: yeah i don't know, like I don't know possibly not. probably
2: not i don't, i don't know um but i think we kind of hit hit the nail on the head so again we will be doing this all off season spring training <laughs> long whatever you know uh this pre-season stuff looks like for the MLB season so for the next like 7 weeks we will be doing this next week we will tackle second baseman second base has always been a very wacky position to try to rank because there's guys that can play second base guys that you know probably got hurt or had down seasons or whatever so second base will be a fascinating case study to tackle so that'll be next week's video and episode as well um any final thoughts before we sign off for the week and prepare our second base rankings
3: Probably just uh, congrats, Ryan Zimmerman, on a successful retirement. I thought you were going to congrats, Ryan. I was like, uh, congrats, other Ryan, for getting oh, rid of him. For what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, what are we congratulating Ryan for
2: again? Like, dude, has oh, well, congrats to ego as the trivia as champ. I mean, I guess we can say that again.
3: <laughs>
2: so keep beating his ego, I guess. Yeah. Ryan, any final thoughts?
4: Monty lost twice.
2: <laughs> yeah, should have seen that. Should have seen that coming uh Monty's drunk right now and blowing up our chat I've been oh like, wa- I look if you see me if you're watching on YouTube you see me looking down it's literally because Monty's like just blowing up the chat so <laughs> send good vibes to Monty drunk Monty is always fun um but appreciate you listening and watching uh we'll be doing these again for the next seven weeks however long it takes uh and be posting them to YouTube so be sure to check that out if you didn't check out this one uh, but it'll also be a podcast if you want to do it on your commute or whatever, but be sure to follow the show at, at half street high heats posting all the, the latest clips and baseball content you need to survive this uh, non baseball world we live in follow Trey uh, on Twitter at reverse to our student S's for now follow him now before the, the at the handle changes yeah, and get we it now we, before it's too we late. don't know we don't know who Trey is anymore. So follow him now at reverse two our two S's and of course follow Shaq at We Are All Shaq and myself at Nationals Ace. Appreciate you listening again next week. Top 10 second baseman in baseball. And in the meantime, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll be back. I can't say the same for baseball, but we will be back. Talk to you guys later.
5: There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause this past the wall to we'll see you later. The early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are in bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're fucking curly W's and F's